Please listen carefully. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 26th episode of the Study Space Podcast, a show dedicated to helping students like you earn better grades, navigate your college journey, and become lifelong learners. My name is David, content strategist at UniPlan. And my name is Natalie, content strategist at UniPlan. And my name is Julian, the founder and lead software engineer at UniPlan. Today, we'll be talking about the importance of mentorship as a student and how you can find the right mentor for you. But first, I have to ask, Julian, what's inspiring you today? It's a really great question. So in a previous episode, or I guess a couple episodes ago, don't remember what it is because I'm terrible at remembering what I've said in past episodes. Um, but I, I recently finished my final exam and happy to announce that I got an A, uh, which is great. Um, but uh, I guess a follow-up to that is I have about about two weeks before I start my next class. Uh, not a lot of break time when you're taking a class during summer term going into the fall and then the spring and stuff. But uh, I'm going to be taking my third class in the master's program at Georgia Tech for computer science. And it's going to be the graduate introduction to operating systems. And reportedly, this class is going to be very, very tough. It's going to be fairly rigorous, more rigorous than the classes that I've taken so far. So in order to help myself prepare for the rigors of this class, I'm looking to online resources, anything that I can use to sort of jumpstart my progress into this course so that I'm not quite so overwhelmed. Uh, I think we've we talked about this in a previous episode, namely one of our first ones where we talked about getting ahead, right? I think that's one of the one of the highlights of of our very first episodes when we started this podcast where we recommended to any way you can get ahead in a class so that once you get into the thick of things, things don't get too hard or too busy or or just there's too much going on and, and you can't focus on anything, right? So if you can get ahead, you can curb that and hopefully be able to manage everything a lot better, right? So one of the resources that I found was directly from Georgia Tech. Luckily for me, the program has been around for several years. So many of the courses are actually publicly facing, fully online. Literally anybody can view the lecture videos. Uh, all, you know, what I'm paying for is to be able to get a grade and then finally a, a degree by the end of the program. But quite literally, anybody can log on to the Georgia Tech Online Masters in Computer Science website and be able to view uh, many of the courses completely for free on whatever platform that we hosted on now. We've changed platforms a couple times. Um, but uh, you, the point is you can view these, these lecture videos all for free. And that's what I've been doing. I've been watching the lecture videos for the class that I'm taking the next semester to get ahead. And then I'm also reading the textbook as well. And the textbook that I'm reading is Operating Systems, Three Easy Pieces. And uh, it's a free online textbook, and it's actually a textbook recommended by the actual professor of the 
operating systems class I'm taking. So by her recommendation, I am looking and reading at this textbook very closely, taking lecture notes and studying up before class starts so that I can get ahead and hopefully be able to manage my time a little bit easier when things get tough. And that's my inspiration today is free race, free online resources and getting ahead uh, before class starts. What about you, Natalie? What's inspiring you today? So as you're finishing up, Julian, I'm actually going to start soon on my EKG class. So for those who don't know what EKG is, is um, so when you're, the heart pumps or like the heart, you know, beats, you can attach these kind of uh, like electro electrodes to the body. So you can kind of get a graph of what a heartbeat looks like. And it's pretty cool. You can look it up online. I'm sure there's a ton of those. So I'm going to learn how to read those graphs and how to interpret them so that a doctor could come along and kind of easily look through my notes and diagnose the patient. And I'm taking a lot of pride in that work or in that field because I obviously want to go into cardiology as my specialty. So this is kind of a leg up for me in uh, pursuing my dreams. And I also got a stipend check from my research so I could actually do research and actually afford stuff I need to do my research. And that's also exciting. So David, what about you? Yeah, so I swear every time I think of an inspiration, it's always something space related, but I have yet again another space um, inspiration. And this time it's uh, SpaceX. Um, SpaceX um, just did a 150 meter hopper test for their SN5, uh, SN standing for um, zero number, zero number five, um, um, I guess, prototype of their Starship. So Starship is an up and coming um, rocket that SpaceX is going to use as the workhorse to get to Mars, uh, as well as the moon and uh, Earth to Earth travel as well, um, which is pretty cool. Um, and obviously, you know, they're being very, very, um, incremental with their, their progress. You know, you can't just build a rocket like right away. You have to keep building it up. And so, um, SN5 is the latest, um, model of, of, of prototype that they built for this starship. And it was really cool because basically you saw what looked like a giant water tank or, or silo looking thing just take off and, um, you know, it, it hopped 150 meters as the, as the test says, and then it landed, um, onto, um, uh, a platform. Um, and I just think this is really cool because I think it shows how far we've come in terms of, of rocket technology. I mean, it was pretty crazy to think about, um, you know, reusable rockets just a few years ago, but now it's just, um, I'm sure I've said this before, but it's just so crazy, um, how, how they've been able to make space a lot more affordable and how they're they're opening up the market um, to private companies um, because now it is definitely possible for for people to build their own rockets rather than just NASA. So it's pretty cool, and that's what's inspiring me um, today. So obviously, the topic for this episode is mentorship, and so we really have to define first what is a mentor. Um, Google defines it as an experienced and trusted advisor, but I tend to disagree because I think it's a lot more important than that. Um, the way I define uh, a mentor is is someone who has gone down the same path as you or something similar and is willing to spend their time um, to guide you through it. Um, I think mentorship 
is really important. Um, it's personally impacted me and I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but I think that for anybody, um, mentorship is a really powerful tool, um, because it means that you can learn from the mistakes of others and from others' experiences instead of going through that yourself. And that gives you a huge advantage in any, in any area of your life. Obviously I'm referring specifically to uh, mentorship while you're a student. And so, um, that can help you, you know, academically, or maybe during extracurriculars or, um, just, you know, getting a job or something like that. Um, but it's just so important to have a mentor. And I think that I definitely wouldn't be where I am today um, without my mentor, who is actually um, in this podcast right now. Julian um, was my mentor and I met him during high school and I'll go into that in a little bit. But yeah, I think um, it's made a big impact on my life. And I think that it's important for anybody out there to have a mentor as well. Um, so the three qualities, we'll start off with the, um, the three qualities of a good mentor, um, by my definition. Um, so the first quality I think is that you should know them personally and have a way of interacting with them, um, on a regular basis. And so, um, uh, you know, kind of a, a sub branch of that is, is don't get mentored by someone who is too famous. And Natalie, would you like to, um, talk about that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So um, back when I was looking for kind of a med school mentor, well, I still am. Uh, I kind of found someone who was pretty famous. So he has a following on Instagram and he runs a page on mentoring pre-med students. So basically, he doesn't mentor just me, but he also mentors a lot of other people who uh, private messages him and so I don't feel very special because he never answers or he never answers my private messages and when he does they're always they uh, he always takes forever to do so so because I know he has like five million other people to my uh to also answer to and that's why I don't think having someone who is too famous as a mentor is good because you're never going to be kind of quote unquote the center of their attention yeah, no, I definitely 100% agree with that. I think that a lot of people are kind of like fooled into this myth of of believing that someone that's really famous, really rich, really powerful will actually pay attention to them. That sounds really harsh, but I think it's honestly the truth because um, you see all these people out here. So I'll give some examples. So uh, there's this guy named Ty Lopez, and uh, he he got really famous off of making um, these um, really like I don't know how, how you describe them, but really like disingenuous ads on YouTube. And, um, he basically sells a bunch of courses, um, on, on how to, you know, be wealthy and how to, how to make it and, and stuff like that. Um, and I think that, um, I think that in his video, he talked about how it's important to have a, a mentor. Um, he said that he had a mentor himself. Actually, he had three mentors and they got him out of tough situations. And, and I definitely agree with that point. Like, I think it's really great to have a mentor. But then he he um, goes on to kind of sell you this course. And in the course, he promises that he can give you one-on-one -on -one mentorship. And listen, the course has thousands of students. I'm, I'm pretty sure that um, if you're really like, going to message him even like once or twice a day, I really don't think he has time to respond to you personally and give you, um, even give you like an hour of his attention. I think it, that's really impossible. He just does not have enough time for that. Um, that's because he, he's really famous, right? So 
another good example is um, is Dan Locke. Actually, uh, I think that he takes the the better approach to mentorship because he even states in in his videos that he cannot be a mentor for you. Um, he's also a, a business guru kind of kind of person, but um, he he says that. Um, he answered to he answered a question, and the question was, "Oh, Dan, can you mentor me?" And um, his response was, "No, I can't because I have so many students already. And how how could you expect me to personally mentor you? Why don't you go out there and and find your own mentor, and and find someone who can actually devote a lot of time um, focusing on you specifically?" I think that was great advice, right? Because I, I really don't think that celebrities have um, much time in in their day. They're already busy doing. I'm focusing on their own business and, and and that sort of stuff. So I really don't think they have time for you. And that's that's just a harsh reality. I um I think you should go out there and find someone on your own. And I guess to to follow up with that, I I do agree with David in in the sense that knowing a mentor personally does help immensely when you're trying to ask for mentorship or advice and anything of that sort. But that doesn't mean that you you only can search for mentors in your own personal circle. Uh, many times, mentors come from different backgrounds, which is what you're looking for, right? A background that perhaps might be somewhat different from yours, so that you get a different sort of in, uh, a different sort of perspective on on things and and conflicts that you have within your life. Um, but but my point is that even though knowing a mentor personally can help build that relationship easier, you know, if you're already friends or if you're already uh, familiar with each other, then of course the conversations that you have can be facilitated much e easier. But if you don't know somebody, that doesn't mean that they are automatically disqualified from being your mentor, right? So um, aside from knowing them personally, you should also keep an open mind because the whole point of mentorship is having somebody that you, you, you that you trust and believe in um, and is approachable. First of all, these individuals, like David said, don't appear to be very approachable uh, for one-on-one -on -one or at least uh, a close mentorship. Uh, if they're approachable, then I think that's a good candidate for a mentor, right? So keep an open mind. Knowing them personally is great. But again, if you don't know a mentor personally or, or really a prospective mentor personally, that doesn't necessarily disqualify them from being a mentor to you. Right. Yeah. And I definitely agree with you. There's definitely a fine line um, between the two. What I think I, I was trying, the point that I was trying to make was that don't go to people of celebrity status, not, not saying that you have to necessarily know your mentor personally um, before, you know, you like kind of accept them as your mentor. But I was just um, more referring to like the fact that people with extremely huge, um, you know, I guess fan bases um, aren't, aren't people that you should be approaching necessarily. But yeah, good point. Right, right. Like you should have some sort of, some sort of common ground, right? Like you go to the same school or, or you work in the same place or they, you guys are in the same field, right? And then that can, can allow you a, a, a way to towards mentorship, but you can't just expect to go on to YouTube and then find any influencer, any social media influencer and pick them to be your mentor. Like that's just not really real, realistic, right? It's gotta be somebody that's close by or somebody that is approachable and, and attainable and somebody who, who is accessible, right? Approachable and accessible. 
you know, these people don't seem very accessible to me. Uh, and that pretty much rules them out as mentors, at least in my eye. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can't, if a mentor is not accessible, are they even your mentor? That's um, that's a good question. Right. Um, so I think the second point, uh, second point of uh, qualities of a good mentor is they should be an expert or at least relatively better than you at whatever it is you want to improve on. Um, so I'll give an example here. So if your goal is to ultimately become wealthy, let's say like you want to start a business or something um, and, and, you know, just get rich, which is perfectly, perfectly acceptable goal. Um, then you should be mentored by someone who knows a lot about finance and, and money and perhaps someone who started their own business before, right? Because if the, this person hasn't, you know, gone through those experiences themselves and if they're not kind of, like, I guess, relatively ahead of you in the game, then it's not, I don't think it's really worth, um, you know, approaching them. I, don't, I really don't think that they have anything that's valuable to give to you. That sounds really harsh, but yeah, I mean, this, this is what you, you kind of need out of a mentor, right? Someone who teaches you and, 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 you know, passes down their knowledge to you. Um, whereas someone who's on your same level or maybe below you, um, that would, that'd be someone who would qualify as a peer or, uh, maybe even a mentee perhaps, but yeah. Um, another example is if you want to be fit, you should probably be mentored by someone who works out a lot, has a regular routine and eats a healthy diet, right? You, you don't want to be um, you want to be you want to be mentored by by someone who never even hits a gym and who eats um, like really poorly. Like, I don't think I would be a very good mentor if you want to become fit. Um, but I'd be perfectly acceptable mentor if you want to you know get into a good college or you know study better or something like that, right? I, I think that I'm more qualified in those areas. Um, so Natalie, you have a little story about about um, you know being an expert or or at least having a mentor that's somewhat better than you at whatever it is you want to improve on. Do you want to say your story? Yeah. Thanks, David. I'm not at, in any way an expert at anything. At least I don't think so. So I am currently a shadow. That means I am, you know, going around a clinic with a doctor and the person I'm shadowing, he's been practicing for so many years. Um, he's currently past retirement age and he's still practicing because he loves his job. And I am so thankful and so grateful for uh, to be mentored by him because he imparts on me a lot of the skills he's accumulated through his years of practicing. So, for example, I am uh, in need of some EKG help. I would go to him and he would show me how to read these EKGs or how to perform an EKG even, even though that's not really his job. But he's able to help me because he's been in he's played this field for so long and he's been I've been able to better understand how to communicate with patients how to kind of do the usual questionnaire for uh, for a checkup as well as you know uh, check for swelling and do kind of the minute things that I probably wouldn't get in a med medical school education which focuses more on the facts behind a disease and etc yeah it sounds really awesome it sounds like he's a great mentor for you right because that's what you want to do and he's definitely like uh really experienced in that area so i think that's a great example of someone who would qualify as a mentor um i i personally have a very similar experience actually um julian as i mentioned before is my mentor and um you know, he was STEM club president when I was a freshman and he was a senior. And I even said to him, this is really funny. Um, I don't know if you remember this, Julian, but I said in freshman year, I want to be 
STEM club president. And I, I do remember you, that. I don't know if you laughed, but I don't know if you even took me seriously, but I was serious. I was actually serious. Um, I definitely knew right away that I wanted to, you know, take a leadership role in STEM and um, who better to mentor me and advise me in becoming STEM president than the guy who was STEM president before me, right? I mean, that's like the perfect example of someone who um, was in my footsteps before. And um, I'll give another more concrete example. Um, for example, one of the things I wanted to improve on was public speaking, because for all the competitions that I attended, whether it was Popsicle Stick Bridge or the National Engineering Design Competition um, that I did, I had to speak, right? And um, I wasn't very confident at public speaking in my freshman year of high school. I used a lot of ums. I actually still do, but I use it a lot less frequently because now I notice it a lot more. Um, and I wasn't very comfortable presenting in front of a public audience. But now I am much, much more confident in my public speaking ability because Julian was able to coach me through the process. He was able to listen to my speeches and, and really make note of what I was doing wrong and where I needed to improve. And, um, you know, just really simple stuff like using certain words and and looking um, at the um, looking at the oh now now I'm messing up my public speaking wow I guess my mentorship didn't work but uh, um, looking um, directly into the eyes of of the person instead of you know looking away um, or putting my hands in my pockets really simple stuff like that I mean that's what a mentor is there there to do um, they're there to guide you and. You know, Julian was really experienced at public speaking, and so he was able to pass down his knowledge to me. And I think that if you want to improve at something as well, having a mentor is really crucial because you want someone who can give you that constructive criticism and really help you. Yeah, and and that that's a that's an excellent story. I do remember that moment when I think it was one of the our, if not the very first interaction, direct interaction that I had with David was was that day during a STEM club meeting, he just came up to me uh, with his little posse of friends, I think it was two of you, uh, or the three of you. And uh, he came up and, and he, he told me directly to my face, I want to be STEM club president or Mesa president as it, as it was known before. Uh, and I remember I remember my, my first impression of you, I thought you were an overconfident, brazen little kid. And you know, you had no business wanting to aspire to to be president of anything in your current state and I, and that's 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 what, genuinely my first impression of you which is a terrible first impression but i think the magic of this story is the fact that david was able to change that impression completely 180 degrees he changed that impression in its entirety and he did that through a lot of work and self-improvement. He went through a great deal of self-discovery. While he didn't take a lot of my advice to heart at first, it took a fair bit of failure to get him to realize a lot that I was trying to teach him. And, and all the more reason for me to respect him today than, um, you know, the fact that he learned from his mistakes, he learned from his failures. Uh, they weren't two major failures. I'm, I'm not talking about something that's like completely dejecting, right? He, he, you know, messed up a moment here and there, but, but it, that those little failures gave him a lot of time to 
look inside himself, give himself a retrospective, a self-retrospective, and to learn from his mistakes. And he grew tremendously as a person, and he grew tremendously as a leader. And when it came time for the club to select a new leader, I mean, it didn't happen immediately, okay? So, like, this didn't happen, like, you know, the very next week. He just decided to usurp me as president. Um, it was well after I graduated from high school and and the, the role went to somebody else, and then it finally went to David. And at that time, I... I truly believe that he would make an effective leader. And I was right, by the way, STEM club was amazing when, uh, or at least it was amazing during David's tenure. And it still is now it's just, it's, it's on the up. Um, but when he was in the running for the presidential role, I supported him. I talked to the advisor, I talked to the board and I gave them my points. I said, the other candidates are great, but I've had the pleasure of working directly with David for several years. I've had the pleasure of seeing him grow. And let me tell you, he's grown tremendously and he is an excellent leader and he deserves to get this role. And you had two years of the presidency when traditionally the presidency for STEM club was held by seniors only, I think. And so you 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 got that role as a junior and then you held it again in your in your senior year and, and that's amazing. And then and then what did you do with that? You ended up competing at nationals and and you're an amazing public speaker like you just said, right? And all of these things was due to the fact that David decided to seek out a mentor and he eventually listened to uh, the advice that that mentor was able to give to him and then now he's all the better for it. Today, you know, he calls me a mentor but I see him less as a mentee. And, and more of like a colleague or a peer, because now we're, we're just, you know, we're, we're good friends and we're working together now. Uh, I, I don't really see us as like a mentor mentee thing. It's more of just like, hey, we work together. We're friends now. He doesn't really come to me for advice anymore because because he doesn't really need it. He's grown that much at this point. Wow. I'm crying right now. This is so <laughs> that was so beautiful. But yeah, yeah emotional no, episode. Watch out. No, Julian was yeah, no, that's uh that's all that's all pretty much correct, uh at least I think from from my memory. But yeah, no, Julian mentioned that I had a lot of failures and I actually um you know, at one point I actually I didn't want to pursue STEM anymore, which is actually that was the failure. Um was that I I kind of gave up on STEM and I was like, "Oh, I'm just going to do this other club instead." You know, the the cool kids um club literally. And um you know, I um I definitely made a lot of mistakes, but in the end, Julian still decided to be my mentor, um, which is sort of amazing when you think about it, because I know that if I was put in that situation, I probably wouldn't um, take myself back because I was very, very, uh, I don't know what the word to use was, but I guess brash, um, maybe very stubborn. Um, I didn't listen to his advice, and then it came to uh, bite me. And then I realized, oh, my uh, my mentor was right. And so I, I did a whole 180. And um, I I fixed my mistakes. And we went from there. But yeah, that's, uh, I think that's another, I guess I, I wasn't planning on listing that. But that's another great quality of a mentor, right, is that they're patient, and they're willing to stick with you, even if you do make mistakes like that, like I did. Um, because I think that a real mentor should be invested in you. Um, and Julian was definitely invested in me and, um, you know, I don't think he wanted me to fail even after I made all those mistakes. I still think he wanted me to succeed, which is why he kind of, you know, took me back and was willing to, 
was willing to still mentor me and, and coach me through the whole process and was willing to say like, Hey, I think you would make a great president. And so, yeah, I'm very glad for that. Okay. So the third point I have, um, the third quality of a good mentor is that they should share common values with you. Um, and I make a distinguish, I distinguish, um, values from interests here because I think that values go a lot deeper than interests. Um, interests are just things that, you know, you guys might both enjoy and, and you love doing. Um, but I think that values go a lot deeper than that. Um, and it's about, it's really about caring about the same things, being really passionate and having that sort of fire, right? Um, I think that that values are, are significantly more important um, than interest because they last for, for much, much longer. Um, so a good example of, of, of um, a value that Julian and I both share is the value of education, right? Um, specifically education that is free and available. Um, that's part of the reason why we started the study space podcast and why we're developing um, the UniPlan app. It's because we actually care about the success of students, right? Because we were students ourselves, we still are students ourselves, and we will be for the rest of our lives. Um, but we really do care about student success. And that's why we are designing tools and, and giving out information for free um, that we think is important um, for the public to have and, and important for other students to have because it'll help them um, succeed in their careers. And that's our ultimate goal, right? Because education is is the ultimate equalizer. It helps um, anybody from any situation um, better their situation and really, and really improve. And that's one value that we share um, and I know that there are lots of other values out there. Um, there are religious values and political values and stuff like that. And, and you should really make sure to have values in common with your mentor. Otherwise, there's probably going to be a lot of disagreements. And you want to have at least something that you share um, common ground on, because I think that that just helps the relationship a lot more. I want to jump in yeah. here. Yeah, I, I do. I, I want to jump in here and also mention that you don't necessarily have to share all of your values with a mentor or a mentee, right? The two, the two don't need to agree on absolutely everything. And the reason is this, you have to think about what is the reason for looking for a mentor and what are you looking to get out of a mentorship relationship? right? What you want to get out of a mentorship is something that you don't currently have. You want advice. You want to clarify what comes ahead in, in your life and in your experience. And the way that you do that is you talk to somebody who has hopefully been through the same steps or similar steps that, as you have, right? And inherently, a mentor pretty much has much more experience in living the life that you will eventually, or at least you will eventually hope to live in the future. And therefore, what you're looking for out of a mentorship really is to derive certain values, right? So for that, in that sort of relationship alone, you don't share values quite yet. It's very possible, pretty much uh, guaranteed that you will derive certain values that you didn't have before when you're connecting with a mentor, right? We mentioned uh, several times in this episode now that David has has ma had made 
several mistakes in high school. And that was due to a difference of values. I valued STEM. I valued specialization. I valued sticking to one thing or a few things and being very, very good at them or performing very, very well in those few things instead of spreading myself thin. And David didn't share that value with me at the time. But part of being a mentor and part of being a mentee is that you share your values together and you make each other understand the, the, the different backgrounds that you guys come from. And, and eventually once those values get shared, then the mentee starts to learn and develop and grow themselves in the direction that you see them growing in. Right? So the point here is that sharing common values is important in making that, that mentor mentee connection. But don't think, don't make the mistake of thinking that I have to share absolutely every single value that I have, you know, in my umbrella with my mentor. Otherwise, there's going to be some massive disconnect because that's not true, right? We did have a massive disconnect, David and I, but our relationship eventually repaired that just inherently due to our mentor-mentee relationship. We didn't share 100% of our values, but eventually we did share those values because those values translated from me to David. And that's all just inherently part of the mentor mentee relationship. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Good point. So before we talk about methods that you can personally use to find a mentor, uh, please take a moment to show support for this podcast by sharing it or telling a friend about it. Your testimonial to your friends and family is the most helpful thing that you can do for us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Now, back to our podcast. Um, so I have here, um, we, we first have to go over, obviously, how to not find a mentor before we can actually go into the methods that do work. Um, so number one, um, I have a point here, is don't use social media and contact random people. I think it's... It's more risky than it isn't to use social media and just hit up random people. At least have some common ground with them. Like I definitely don't know a lot of people from Hopkins, but I ended up messaging messaging them anyway because um like we have, you know, mutual acquaintances or we had like a class together but I never actually talked to them. But at least we have something in common, right? Um whereas if you just like, you know, hit someone up out of the blue and they have nothing in common with you, know nothing about them. You don't even know their name. You like, there's nothing in common at all. That's a little scary, I think. And it definitely, definitely poses a stranger danger because, you know, what if that person isn't even an expert in, in what they're doing and they're just trying to, you know, trick you into something, right? Like it's, it's happened before. It's definitely possible. And I don't want to be like really um, paranoid or anything, but I think that social media does pose some dangers in that, in that regard, but. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to jump here and here and, and mention that a lot of social interactions, especially given the current situation, is happening online these days, right? So you find yourself in a variety of different online communities, namely Reddit, Facebook's a popular one, Twitter, I don't know if there are communities necessarily on, on Twitter, but, but Reddit, subreddits are, are just really really self-contained, right? There's like a subreddit for for Flutter development. There's a subreddit for general web development. And then there's like a subreddit for computer science careers and, and you know, a slew of other different subreddits that separate different communities from each other. 
And social media is a powerful way to connect with new people, right? It's that's just inherently part of the internet. I think I think social media would be a great tool if we all sort of knew how to interact with brand new people on the internet. It's so easy for us to see random people on the internet as like immediate friends because it's just so easy to like click friend or connect whatever it is that you do follow. Um, I'm, I'm sounding really, really old here, but uh, I'm only 22. Trust me, I'm not that old, okay? Um, but my point is, on social media, you still have to watch out for those red flags. At the end of the day, you are talking to a person and people give off certain kinds of vibes and you need to be able to read those vibes beyond a computer screen or a phone screen, right? I think I think what I would have done differently is I would have not like straight up asked for a mentor. Maybe I might have asked for help with like a specific problem or like a specific question. Like let's say, hey, I got a low grade in this class. I wanna turn this around. I wanna still graduate with a higher GPA. I wanna improve my chances of doing X, Y, Z. How can I do that? And if I ask a question like that in a general community, oftentimes I'm gonna get a variety of different kinds of answers. And then finally, it's up to me to sort of sift through all of those answers and figure out which one I'm gonna to listen to, right? Well, what, what kind of advice am I gonna, am I gonna accept really? Eventually, after interacting with a, a, an online social community, I might identify some people that, that offer advice that I that I think is is right. It's logically sound, and then you know y y I find that person agreeable. And then maybe perhaps after interacting with that individual for some time in this online community, then after that I I might approach them and ask for for additional mentorship. That's probably what I would have done. Now, granted, I've never done that before. I'm just saying what I might do, but that's just the approach that I would take, right? Um, social media can be dangerous. It is dangerous. Um, so watch out and pay attention to those uh, red flags. I don't think that Reddit is necessarily the best platform to get a mentor just because everyone is very anonymous there. And you can't really know for sure if they are who they claim they are and their qualifications, right. etc. And you can't be sure what kind of person they are because you have no way to hold them accountable because with for example instagram you know their name if they're truthful about it and most most mentorship like pages are pretty truthful about it and you could kind of hold them accountable if they if the relationship does get very creepy or does go south that's why i don't think reddit is necessarily the best form for platform for mentorship yeah, definitely agree with that. Um, number two, um, well, actually, I only have two points. But yeah, the second point I have here is don't pay for mentorship. Now, oh, God, I've seen this around so much. I mentioned earlier about the whole Ty Lopez and Dan Locke thing. But um, there are plenty of people out there who claim to, I mean, actually, personally, I, I experienced it myself. Um, I actually got into contact with a guy. He just followed me on Instagram out of the blue and he started messaging me. He seemed like a really cool guy. Um, he started talking to me about, um, he was doing, I think, Amazon drop shipping, if, if I can recall correctly, or, or was it affiliate marketing? I don't know. It's one of those. Um, but it was basically like, oh yeah, like I'm making a lot of money off this. And he seemed like a normal high school student. It seemed totally fine and, and legit. And then 
um, you know, he started asking like if um, I could pay him for, for, for him to mentor me. And I, I got a little like, I got a little suspicious off that because why would someone who genuinely actually cares about you and is willing to give you, you know, one-on-one -on -one attention, why would they want you to pay them? And especially since he says he's been making a lot of money off his business already. Like what's the point of having, you know, me um, um, pay him. And I'm not saying that, I'm really not saying here that like, you know, there isn't valuable information that should be paid for. I'm not saying that at all, but mentorship specifically and one-on-one -on -one mentorship, I really don't think that's something that you, you should pay for it. I really don't think that's like a service, you know? Um, I think that any real mentor wouldn't want you to pay them. They do it for free um, because they actually do, they actually do care about you. And they don't want the money from you. They want they want something greater, right? They want an actual relationship, and they really want to help you in and see you grow. Um, plus, if they're charging, I think it's it's like it's safe to assume that you're probably not the only client. Um, I see a lot of this online. They're like, oh yeah, we have this giant you know community of people, and and I'll give you one on one mentorship. But then there's like 900 people in in one group, and I'm like, how do you actually respond to all those people? Um, that's just, that's just not feasible. And, um, yeah, I think, I think that if anybody asks you to pay for mentorship, be skeptical, even if you know them in real life, um, be skeptical because I think that, I think that a real mentor would not do that. Yeah. I, I am deeply suspicious of anybody who wants to be paid for mentorship because, you mentioned earlier in the episode that usually mentorships or mentors are personally invested in the mentee, right? That's that's the key word there. They're they're supposed to be personally invested in this relationship. They're not looking to derive any sort of monetary value from this relationship. That's just kind of strange. It's you know if you if you want to do that, then why didn't you go into teaching or? you know, in instructing at, at a college or even further at a university, if you really want that, I don't really understand why you wouldn't go that route if that's what you're looking for. But as a mentor, you, I guess coming from a mentor, right? I, I, I mentor David, we mentioned that before. In my perspective, I, I sort of saw a lot of myself in David and seeing David go in the direction that I knew was not going to get him what he wanted, which he communicated to me one on one. He said, "I wanted to be STEM. I want to be STEM president or Mesa president." And I was like, "Well, doing these activities isn't going to get you there." And I knew that, but he didn't know that, right? And and it was that it was that personal investiture. It was that personal sort of seeing myself in David and, and you, you know, the mentors out there will understand what I'm talking about. You sort of live vicariously through your mentees. I don't know if anybody understood what that, what that meant there, but the mentors will. Okay. When you are mentoring somebody, you sort of see yourself in them. And when they're making the wrong choices, you sort of see yourself making the same wrong choice. And you're like, no, 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 don't do that. And you sort of get overprotective at some point. It, it's, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like that. So when you're personally invested in somebody and you, you don't really need to demand any sort of payment, the fact that they find success, the fact that they find 
what they're looking for is all the payment that you need because you gain the satisfaction for seeing somebody succeed. I don't think anybody wants to see anybody else fail necessarily, uh, especially when you have a good relationship with somebody, right? The other thing is, is you feel immensely proud and that's not something that you can buy. I don't necessarily feel like if somebody paid me, um, I can feel a genuine pride in their growth. Right. It, I, I remember a distinct moment when I, I came back to visit our high school. I talked to one of our teachers and um, I, I don't know if you had graduated by that time. You probably did. But I came by to visit the high school and one of the teachers, uh, I was talking to one of the teachers during during their off time. And, and, and they said that David really looks up to you and he talks about you a lot. And he says that you're his inspiration and you must be so proud of him and what he's accomplished. And, and that really, that really made me stop for a moment and, and think about how, how genuinely proud I was of David. And that was all the payment I needed. I never once asked for like payment or really anything in return. Uh, well, I guess, except now he's working with me on this personal project. Uh, but I don't see that as repayment. I see that more of like, you know, we share values and, and I think that we can work well together in this project. But again, don't pay for mentorship because mentors are supposed to be personally invested in you as the mentee. And if they're asking you to pay them for that sort of thing, it, I, I don't, I, I would be highly suspicious of the advice that, that they give. I don't think it would be a very genuine relationship if, you know, you stop paying or you decide to stop paying and then they decide not to mentor you anymore. Cause that's actually not how mentorship works. Man, you really want me to get emotional here. I'm about to start crying in about five seconds. This is going to be an emotional episode just because of the unique situation uh, we're yeah. in. Yeah, no, but um, I wonder who that teacher was, first of all. We'll talk about it after. But um, no, that's, um, that's, that's a really good point. I, that, that's, where, that's what I'm coming from, too, because um, I think that Julian and I both agree that a mentor should first, first and foremost put the relationship and, and, and you know, the growth before anything else. And that obviously includes monetary value. I really don't, I really don't see why a person would, would charge for mentorship. Like I can definitely understand something like, you know, if you're running a business and they have business consulting, that's totally different, right? There's a huge difference between something like consulting or, or coaching even, and something like mentorship. Mentorship goes beyond that. And it kind of transcends into something that's a lot greater, right? It's a, it's a more personal relationship, um, or at least it should end up being, being like that. And, and they should actually care about you beyond um, just like, you know, just helping you improve in that one area. They sh it, it should, I think it should um, extend further than that. So, yeah, and that's probably why, that's probably the reason why Julie and I are working together today. I mean, we could have just stopped at STEM, you know, but we went way beyond that. We talk about a lot of stuff nowadays, like technology. We both care about technology a lot and we're obviously doing uni plan. And yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's very interesting how um our relationship has has evolved but yeah yeah that's really cute you know i think um my first one of the first things i knew about david when we started um developing our relationship was that julian was a, a mentor or is his mentor <laughs> like that was one of the first things i knew about david so speaking about <laughs> that's funny <laughs> 
right? So speaking about methods that do work, um, finding a teacher or a professor, an advisor, a coach, a PI, or even a manager sometimes can be very helpful. And they could also act as mentors because they are in a position where you would want to be eventually. Yeah, I know. Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, those are all those are all examples of, I guess, I don't want to say authoritative figures um, necessarily. I would maybe use the word leader. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they really are in a position of authority, I guess. But it's someone that you can kind of look up to and, and really respect, right? This is one of the most common ways um, to find a mentor. I, I can't like I can't even list how many movies I've seen where the coach ends up becoming the mentor for for the protagonist, right? Because a coach is just someone who's so personally invested in in your development as an athlete that it ends up transcending into something greater than that because they want to see you, um, you know, not even not just become a great athlete but become you know a great person, and, and you know, um, and, and it goes way way beyond that. Um, another example is is a teacher or professor, right? A lot of people have. Uh, professors or teachers who are their mentors. I mean, actually, I have an example of this as well. Um, uh, Julian, uh, Julian knows who I'm talking about, but there was a teacher at our high school who was our um, STEM club advisor. And I look up to him uh, and I'd say that he was definitely a mentor to me as well. He definitely guided me through the journey of, of being STEM president, because even though um, I already had the position, I still had a lot of work to do, right? I mean, you can always improve um, even if you're at the top and, um, that's, that's what you should really strive to do. And, and he really helped me do that. He, he was always giving me advice on, Hey, like, don't talk to the board this way, do this instead, because it'll make you a lot more friendly. Or how about you do this, um, to make the club more organized. And he was giving me all sorts of advice and this was very useful. And I also had a pretty close and personal relationship with him as well. I actually ended up being his TA um, in, in senior year and we still talk somewhat to this day. Um, and yeah, no, it, I think it's really great if you can find a teacher or an advisor or some, some, you know, authoritative figure or leader, I guess, um, to, to kind of, to kind of become your mentor. Um, another good example I have is actually, uh, it's not my, it's not my story, but it's, it's someone I know. Um, and when I was on the tennis team, I noticed that he and the coach, um, you know, we're very, very close to each other. I mean, he would stay so much longer than the rest of us just to play tennis and the coach would be there with him helping him out. And I think the coach saw something in him that, um, that was really special. I think he saw the, the effort and, and the, you know, the passion and the fire that he had in him to improve in tennis. And eventually that transcended because now they're actually, um, I guess colleagues, right? It's really funny how mentors and mentees always end up as being kind of colleagues because now he's working with the coach to uh, develop a video game. So it's, it's, it's all, it's like really interesting to me how these relationships um, always turn out. But yeah, I mean, if you can find someone in, in a position like that, I think it's really great. And that's one of the most common ways I, I would definitely say to find a mentor. Natalie, do you have a, do you have a story you want to share with us too about um, how you found a mentor using that method? Yeah, for sure. So I don't know about uh, David and Julian, but labs at my school are structured in a way that you kind of, it's hierarchical and you kind of have a lot of mentors. So what would happen is that you have a PI who is like the top of the pyramid, you know, because it is their lab. And then you would have 
um, grad students working for the PI. So each would run his or her own project. And then you would have a few undergrads under each uh, a graduate student who would be helping the graduate student on his or her project. So I was uh, technically a mentee of a graduate student who has now left, or two graduates students who have now left. But yeah, and um, in addition to those grad students who have imparted onto me their knowledge about you know phages and how to isolate phages, how to look at phages, I also have my PI who is very instrumental because she's kind of really helped me establish myself in the lab as well as becoming a really organized and independent scientist. I also have people who work with me and there are these two volunteers in the lab who have been working in the lab for a lot longer than I have and I often also count them as my mentors because they're there to guide me through how um, the procedures in the lab and how I'm I can you know you know run the experiment or analyze the data and I think having that kind of uh, pyramid hierarchy is very helpful because I if I need help I can you know go to one person if not another and yeah that's basically my lab mentor experience yeah sounds like a really great experience I mean uh, labs are a great way I, I personally haven't um gone really personal with my PI yet uh, I don't consider him a mentor at all because we, we don't talk very much um, but I'm sure that uh, you know as time goes on he might be someone that I can can look up to and ask um, advice from but yeah really great example um, another good um, method that I think works very well is extracurricular activities um, we all you know, participate in extracurricular activities and in, in high school and in college as well. And I think that extracurriculars are one of the best ways, in my opinion, um, to find a mentor. Obviously, we've talked extensively about how Julian is my mentor and Julian and I met through STEM, right? Um, I joined STEM club in freshman year with the intent of, you know, um, improving my skills and, and, you know, learning what it really means to be an engineer and, um, you know, it also helps to have that on your resume. Um, but yeah, I, th I thought that um, STEM, great, STEM Club was going to be a great opportunity for me. And I just happened to run into Julian as well as a bunch of other great people um, that, that ended up being, you know, pretty good mentors to me, or at least people that um, gave me very solid advice that I still um, keep in mind to this day. Right. And I think that anybody um, can, can go ahead and join these extracurriculars and, and, and find a mentor. Um, I have a little tip though. If you really are, are invested and in in the, in the club and you really want to find a mentor in that club specifically, um, I think that you should take every opportunity you can um, to come early, to stay late, to really spend those extra hours, you know, during events where you may not have to go, go to them anyway, right? Because if no one is there, then you might be lucky enough to have a very personal one-on-one -on -one experience with a person there and they can end up becoming your mentor. Uh, trust me, I, I speak from personal experience. Um, it's just a really great way of, of, of talking to people. And even if, you know, you don't, they don't become your mentor. Um, having one-on-one -on -one conversation is always great because sometimes, you know, extracurricular activities can feel a little crowded and there's a lot of people there and, and lots of interaction. And so when you kind of isolate this experience it becomes um, a lot more valuable to you, I would say. I like this tip a lot. Extracurricular activities is an excellent way to find a mentor. 
And the reason for that, I think if you think about it logically, you sort of make sense about it. Extracurricular activities tend to attract students in a certain, from a certain background, right? You go to a, a, like your rocketry is an extracurricular activity and you have a lot of mentors, a lot of people who have extensive experience in the field, working with you and teaching you the things that have to do with rocketry, right? In STEM club, you join STEM club because you wanted to be exposed to more STEM projects, maybe uh, seeking advice from upperclassmen about the college application process. I know we advertise that we get <clears throat> we get students from our local uh, university to come by and talk to us about their experiences and such like, and you get to compete with other other schools. And you join different extracurricular activities to gain experiences in different places that you're interested in, right? So naturally, extracurricular activities are going to attract or at least bring in people who have some degree of experience in that activity, right? That just makes that just makes total sense. And so in joining that extracurricular activity or, or, you know, participating in the extracurricular activity allows you a chance for getting some exposure with that potential mentor, increasing your chances of building that one on one relationship, increasing your chances of being able to find a mentor that you really connect with on a deeper level. And then the relationship sort of blooms and explodes from there, right? Yeah, definitely. And Natalie, I think you have a, a little story about um, extracurriculars as well. Yeah, so um, I feel like for you guys, uh, finding a mentor through extracurricular activities was kind of like, a, not I don't want to say a chance meetup, but you don't know who you're going to get as a mentor, if that makes sense. But for me, I kind of knew because I had to, you know, be a quote unquote glorified telemarketer and I would telemarket. I would market myself. I would cold call every doctor in my area and be like, hi, do you want a shadow? I could be your shadow. Of course, no one wants a shadow. They have to have a shadow. But yeah, I've apparently annoyed one enough for him to consider me as a mentee. But in that sense, I, I have to actively go out and find both my extracurricular activity and my mentor. Yeah, well, that's another example. Um, so I think, uh, the third method that I think works pretty well is, uh, finding people in the classes, the same classes as you. Um, so obviously I think that this method's a little more difficult than extracurriculars because extracurriculars tend to attract people of different, you know, age levels and, and different grades. So it's a little more convenient because then you can run into a lot more, um, upperclassmen, but it definitely is possible to run into upperclassmen, um, in in your classes um i know i speak from personal experience i was in physics lab and i actually ran into a sophomore which is a year older than me um and um yeah i mean i think that I, it's definitely possible to run into upperclassmen um it takes a lot of i'd say like i guess meeting greeting because you might like want to, you know, sit with different people in the lecture hall every now and then maybe ask around. And this is definitely a lot more difficult method if you're not super extroverted, I'd say, and not really comfortable with approaching people because a lot of people, um, I know they go to class and they never talk to anyone in there. So they'll never actually make friends, uh, never mind mentors, but it is definitely that's, possible. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, for all my introverts out there, this might be a little more, a little bit more of a difficult method, but it's definitely happened before. Um, I know that 
Uh, in high school, I think I had like I think I took a health class and I was a sophomore in that class, but um, there was definitely a lot of seniors in there. So there are definitely opportunities for that. Um, and, and it's something that you should keep in mind. I want to jump in here and also mention that this method can be a little bit easier when you're taking classes that don't have a lot of prerequisites or any prerequisites at all, because that means nobody has to go through a, a, a series of classes in order to get to that class, right? If you find yourself going through a, a set or a series or a sequence of classes in order to get to a particular class and you want to find a mentor there, that can be a little difficult because then your potential mentors have gone through the sort of same steps and they're probably on the same level as you are. But your chances of finding a mentor in class might actually be better if it's a class that doesn't have any prerequisites at all because that opens up the pool of different students and different backgrounds a lot more than ones that have a particular sequence or a set of prerequisites. A uh, particular example, a specific example, is in the online master's in computer science program at Georgia Tech. None of the classes have strict prerequisites to each other. So you, you, you can take, or you need to take 10 classes, at least 10 classes in order to graduate from the program with a master's degree. But none of those 10 classes have any prerequisites for each other. There's no back requirements or anything at all. So you can take any of the courses in any order that you like. And that has actually really helped me communicate and interact with people who have varying levels of experience and also different backgrounds in different sets of technologies. I'm a computer science major, by the way. So uh, talking to different people with different backgrounds, is just so much easier when we don't have a set sort of prerequisites to go through in order to take a class because some people that are taking the same class as I am might come from genuinely completely different fields and I can derive some value from conversations that I have with these people. Just, you know, a quick tip to add to this one, um, one point here. Yeah, and also I think at UCI, because we have a larger student body than, let's say, JHU, I think our classes are more jumbled in the sense that we have a good mix of different students from different years. I know, for example, I was taking Calculus 2, and I was able to meet um, kind of a med school mentor, if, so to speak, because she was also, she was a bio-sci student, but at the time was chemistry, but we took the same class because that was kind of an upper div for bio, but like a, um, a under a lower div for chem. So she was a third year, I think, or a fourth year, I can't remember. But she had definitely had a lot more experience in terms of the medical field than I did. And we were able to connect through that one class that we took together. And it was a lot easier because we met through a discussion, which are typically smaller than a lecture. And we're, we were able to like kind of talk yeah, I actually wanted to touch on Julian's point a little bit there. Um, I think that um, at least like at my school, there are lots of classes in the ECE department that are not, you know, prerequisite specific. So a, a good example of this is um, something called, I think it was called ECE Engineering Team Project. But you could be any year and join this project, right? It's a project class, so there's not really any specific hard requirements. It's just, you know, like you learn pretty much everything while you're doing the project itself. So there's no worries. I mean, you can be a total beginner and, and join the class. And that's exactly what happened. I was actually the only freshman in the class. There was me 
and there was a sophomore in there and i think there were three juniors and then one senior and um, we were actually all from different majors too i think um there were the, i think some of them were cs majors some of them were computer engineering majors and i was an electrical engineer so it was definitely an interesting experience uh, i didn't get a mentor out of that but i could definitely see myself getting a mentor out of that if i um, stayed in the class. I think I dropped the class um, after first semester. I didn't want to continue it. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I, I could definitely see myself in one of those project classes and, and you know, really like, and, and really being mentored by someone because it's a perfect environment, right? You're in an environment where you have to deal with practical problems and you have someone there who is more experienced than you by your side um, and, and really helping you through the process. And I think that um, that's a perfect opportunity for you to to, to make a mentor, which is um, classes that don't have a lot of prerequisites. And Natalie, you also made an interesting point there about um, JHU being a smaller, uh, you know, smaller school. Um, because I think that, yeah, I've never actually seen like an upperclassman in any of my other classes. That's excluding the project class, just like the classes in general. People take them in a very specific order. So I've actually never seen an upperclassman in any of those classes, unfortunately. Um, so unfortunate, but yeah, that's um, that's one of the advantages of going to a big public university like UCI, I guess. And then here's a point that I can give a specific example for. The next method that definitely works for finding mentors is by looking within your internship or your current job. And I can give multiple examples here, actually. So I had an on-campus job when I was a freshman in university in the library, actually from a university. And he was basically my first supervisor. It was basically my first job, really. And he is an amazing supervisor, an amazing boss. Like I could, I could not ask for a more genuine, better boss because he, he was just the best person overall, like a best person in general, like just really, really nice, but also he was an amazing supervisor. He, I, I still talk to him to this day just because I, I, I like him so much as a person and, and he helped me through, through college. He, I mean, he was gracious, gracious enough to give me a job and he was also gracious enough to work around my school schedule because he, he knew that, he knew that he was hiring me because I was helping him run the library, <laughs> like shelve the books and, and run the, the, the front desk and everything. But in addition to that, he also wanted to make sure that I had time to study. I was uh, getting the grades that I wanted and I had the time that I needed to study. And so he, he would schedule my hours respecting my time that I needed for my classes, which I thought was amazing. And he did a variety of other things that I, I deeply appreciate. Um, during my time as a, uh, a library student assistant at the university. The second example is definitely a mentor example. My, my supervisor was a mentor for me in freshman year, but he's more of just like a, um, you know, somebody that I look up to now as looking back, I look up to him, but he's not really a mentor to this day. Somebody who I still consider a mentor to this day is actually somebody that I met during my internships at NASA for software engineering. So I, I've, I've mentioned this in several episodes before. I used to intern at NASA, and during my software engineering internship at NASA, I was matched to a mentor. For those of you who don't know, typically, I'm not sure if this is how it works everywhere, but 
in general, when you apply for an internship at NASA, any any center, uh, you have many different centers across the, the nation. When you apply for an inter internship at NASA, you get matched to a mentor. It's literally a, a mentor. So they 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 are called mentors. They they obviously have specific job titles like software architect or physicist or you know lead researcher or whatever. But but they are your mentor for the duration of the internship. And so this mentor, he taught me so much. He taught me an incredible, an immense amount of skills and knowledge about computer science and software engineering. And I might have mentioned this in the previous episode, but I I landed this internship before I took a formal software engineering course. For those of you who don't know, computer science, software engineering, those are two separate fields, okay? Two, two separate disciplines. Uh, uh, I eventually needed to take software engineering in order to graduate, but I had not taken that class yet. However, uh, this internship at NASA was a software engineering internship, okay? So I learned a lot of skills on the job at this internship. He taught me so much about software engineering that by the time it, it came for me to take software engineering, I knew pretty much everything. I, I am fairly confident I could have challenged that class day one, taken the final, and probably would have passed. Not with an A maybe, but like I would have passed. I probably wouldn't have needed to go to class. It was, I learned that much. And to this day, I use the same exact patterns, the same exact habits that I learned from that internship. Still talk to him to this day. Actually, what's funny is that he actually invites me to the virtual happy hours that we that that he hosts with his team, and, and you know I get to to meet the 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 team occasionally uh, during those virtual happy hours, which is fun just to see everybody's faces again is great. We still talk to each other. He's also a huge Apple geek, which is funny because I'm also a huge Apple geek. So we will watch Apple conferences together and nerd out about Apple stuff together which is hilarious. And it's like, like that fun thing that we have together. So he's he's just an overall awesome mentor. And those are just a couple of different examples of how you can actually find very valuable industry, job specific, career specific mentors is search within your internships, search within your jobs, look at your mentor, look at your, your manager, your supervisor, anybody who is basically your leader or your boss might be an excellent candidate to be a mentor for you. Yeah, sounds like a great story. I think I actually know who you're talking about, which is just the funny part. But yeah, I'm really glad that you made um, you know, that relationship. That's really awesome. Uh, unfortunately, I have not been able to make the same, um, the same, you know, mentorship kind of experience because, uh, well, I, I think in part it's because the the internship is online, and so. Um, you know, I don't get to meet any of these people in person. And while I try my best, you know, contact them as much as I can and, you know, talk to them, ask them for advice and stuff, it's really not as personal as I would like it to be, um, which is actually an interesting point. I think uh, mentorship in the age of COVID-19 is a lot harder. Um, we did mention that, you know, you really shouldn't use social media and hit up random people to, to get uh, a mentor. And it's kind of hard to not do if you do actually want to mentor in this day and age, because how are you supposed to, you know, go out and, and actually meet people? Super tough. Um, 
But um, I hope that, you know, after this whole pandemic is over, that you guys can actually take these tips and, and really apply them. That's an interesting concern, David. Actually, you know, UCI has several programs for mentorship. The first being UCI's BioSci Mentor. I don't know if it's available for other majors, but I do know that for BioSci, they kind of have a Tinder for mentors. So like as a mentee, you would have, you would make a profile of like your name, your uh, academic interests, your what your, your job interests or your career goals and what you're doing right now. And they would kind of match you with a mentor with those same uh, interests and that who's doing what you want to do. Uh, I've filled out an application and I hope to get a mentor soon. And I know UCI also has a shadowing program, which is available, I think, for all majors. So you would just go out and, you know, fill an application, say what kind of or person you want to shadow, like in what field, what career, and then they would match you to a person that was an alumni or who is partnering with UCI. And that's how you would get a shadow. Actually, I want to jump in here really quick. I just remembered there is a very, very similar program. I'm going to unfortunately have to exclude a great many people here, but I, I want to mention this resource out there. Any resource that I get a chance to mention, I want to mention it. Unfortunately, this is only a resource available for Asian and Pacific Islander students currently, but uh, it's... It's actually the same organization that actually gave us the scholarships that we won. David and I won the same uh, scholarships from the same organization. It's actually the uh, APIA. And they have, uh, separate from the scholarships that they offer, they also have a mentorship program. So uh, very similar to what Natalie just mentioned, you create a profile where you add in your interest, you add in your career, and you add in what kind of what kind of individuals you want to match up with as a mentor. And then eventually they'll, they'll hopefully match you with a mentor that fits those criteria uh, closely. And then they, it's up to the mentor to reach out to you to meet. And then you guys set up a cadence for how regularly you want to talk and, and, and what, what method you use to, to communicate as well. So either by email, by phone, or by uh, video conferencing, whatever it might be it's up to you guys to, to set that up. And then there you have it. You have a mentor that hopefully matches your interests, your career and your values. And, and that's actually a really, also a really good way to, to set up a, a mentor mentee relationship. Again, fortunately, unfortunately I have to exclude a fair amount of people. It's a resource that's only available to Asian and Pacific Islander students at this moment, but uh, I'll link it in the show notes anyway. It's a resource available to those, uh, to those people. Um, but, uh, yeah, sorry to everybody else who doesn't fall under that umbrella. It's a resource that I've used and I really enjoyed, uh, finding a mentor in, in that space as well. And they actually asked me to, to, to become a mentor in this program as well. So I actually might do that. That'd be funny if yeah. we get matched up. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be really funny. Yeah, that's a great tip actually. I think um, a lot of schools might offer this program so or these programs similar to this. Uh, so you should go to your school website or just Google it and hopefully you could find a mentor through these programs that are trusted, not like Reddit. Yeah, I mean, there's actually a, there's a lot of programs at JHU too. Um, I'm personally not in any of them, but 
Um, there's one called, um, I think it's called Map, M-A-P-P, I believe. And that's for, uh, it's for, I'm going to have to exclude a lot of people here too. I think it's for um, people who are like kind of first generation and limited income. Um, and, you know, it's it's for minority students specifically, I believe. Um, and a lot of my friends are in it and they say it's a great resource. Um, it's kind of like the whole Tinder thing that Natalie was talking about. It basically matches you up with a mentor and then you and, and, and your mentor can go on all sorts of experiences, you know, just hang out and talk about school and, you know, they can advise you on their schedule and, and just talk to you about, you know, like how Hopkins is and, and what you should do and some opportunities that you should check out. I think having a mentor like that um, is also pretty great. Um, you know, it, it might be like, I guess, not super organic, but I think that a lot of, um, you know, these matches and a lot of these programs can still produce the exact same results, right? I think it's still really awesome. And I think that if you have the opportunity to, you always should, right? Because um, why not try? Okay, so to close off this episode, um, I think I want to make a final point. And this is kind of a redefinition of what we talked about at the beginning. Uh, at first, at the beginning, we talked about how Google defined a uh, mentor as an experienced and trusted advisor. But Obviously, throughout the course of this episode, you found out that it's it's more than that. It's someone you really trust, someone you have a deep and and personal relationship with. Um, it should transcend, um, you know, someone who's just teaching you something very specific, like you know, business or, or engineering or you know, public speaking or something like that. It should really, it should really develop into a relationship where your mentor deeply cares about you. They're personally invested in you and eventually i think it should turn into kind of a more friendship or cleat uh or, or more like a colleague relationship where you have equal respect for each other and um you know you're on you know kind of like the same terms now and that even though the mentorship experience is kind of over you guys are still great friends because that's what i think ultimately a, a mentorship should turn into right it's when your mentee surpasses you or becomes your equal or you know follows in your footsteps and 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 gets to the place gets to the place where they always wanted to be i think that's the ultimate goal of mentorship at least it was for me i know that you know when julian was my mentor um he was stem president i became stem president he won a bunch of competitions and i went i would say i went above and beyond that i don't know if that sounds really Oh yeah, but <laughs> oh yeah, I am one hundred percent comfortable with saying that you definitely surpassed me in your goal to become STEM president. First of all, I was STEM president for just a year. You got two. You also competed in a national competition. I did not. So, props to you. Thank you. But yeah, no, I think um, that 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 should be the ultimate goal, and I think. I can say that Julian is pretty happy that I was able to accomplish all that, right? Like, I think I think people. Um, I think mentors are generally very, very happy when they see the the fruits of their labor pay off, right? In the form of you succeeding and and even going beyond what what they kind of expected of you. I think that's that's the ultimate joy that that a mentor um, can have. And so, yeah, yeah I, I don't think, think I don't mm -hmm. think I felt more proud about anybody than you when I got the news that you were competing in a national engineering competition, and then you also competed very well during that competition. I was like, I was floored. I was like, hey, this is just, this is fantastic. This is all the intrinsic value that I need out of this mentor-mentee relationship. This is an amazing feeling and I'd like to do that again. 
Yeah. And I'm, you know what I want, I, I think, um, I can safely say that I want, you know, people to feel the same way that, that I felt when I was a mentee. And I want people to feel the same way that Julian feels if you ever be decide to become a mentor, right? It's one of the greatest feelings in the world, right? Making your mentor proud if you're a mentee. And uh, if you're a mentor, seeing your mentee succeed like that, just a really great feeling. And um, that's, I think, beyond, you know, you know, getting advice and improving yourself and stuff like that. I think that's, that's definitely one of the reasons why you should get a mentor. And um, that's why I encourage everybody to try to seek out a mentor. Thank you for listening to the Study Space podcast. We know that there are countless podcasts being published every day, and you've decided to listen to ours in particular. It really means a lot to us that you've given us your time to listen to three students ramble on about school. That's it for this episode of the Study Space podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you.